0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area, heard right here on the RPR Network.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. This is your host, Father Kyle Metzger. I'm joined here with Roxanne Solonan on this bright, sunny, beautiful Friday afternoon.
2: I hear it's a feast day, not a feast day, but a day where we can feast. It's a Friday that we can eat meat, steak, whatever. It is.
1: The octave of Easter every day is a solemnity. It's a solemnity, the highest rank in the church. And so... Uh, you cannot fast when the bridegroom is present, so you can go ahead and eat meat today.
2: So get your grill out because yeah. it's nice, yeah. right? Get Burgers the
1: tonight. Out. Oh, that's a great idea. Now, I
2: don't know if everyone across our listening area has sun like we do, but we do. And so we're rejoicing today. Alleluia. We're,
1: alleluia. <laughs> he has risen. And we're so sick of being inside. Get yeah. outside with your family. Grill something. And then if, if, as everybody's taking walks, they'll smell your delicious, yeah. greasy burger. <laughs> Oh, that sounds so good. I'm so hungry now. Okay, we need to stop talking about food, but uh, we are going to talk about the coronavirus and the impact that that has had in our lives. We have Jason Adkins on the phone. Jason, can you hear me?
3: Good morning, Father Kyle. Hi, Roxanne. Hi there.
1: Good morning. Good to talk to you, uh, Jason. Uh, You're uh, with the Minnesota legislature. Can you give us a little information on what's happening with the legislature as it uh, pertains to the coronavirus?
3: Yeah, sure. So I'm the executive director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, which is the public policy voice of the Catholic dioceses here in Minnesota. And uh, it's been a unique time to say for sure uh, For sure, with the uh, challenge of the social distancing and legislators having to meet in St. Paul. There's a constitutional requirement here that the legislature meets in St. Paul. So what that's entailed in some instances is certain legislators sitting in their cars in remote places around St. Paul and then uh, voting and uh, participating remotely in committees and different things like that so it's been a really fascinating uh, application of the constitutional requirements in terms of how the legislature is going about its business but they do continue to meet actively both in committees and then its full bodies to and pass uh, really important legislation that's focused really on re- on uh, responding to the COVID-19 crisis, and uh, just this week they passed a number of important pieces of legislation, uh, some uh, pertaining to farmer-lender mediation, to insulin access and affordability, uh, to making sure uninsured people uh, have access to COVID-19 testing, for example. So a lot of things that uh, come up that need to be dealt with, and that's what the legislature is really focused on right now here in Minnesota.
1: Do you think uh, are any of these issues uh, have unique aspects to them as you know Catholic religious faithful people? Any unique moral issues or concerns or anything on the on the horizon in the legislature?
3: Well, all legislation is fundamentally a moral concern because it answers the question in some small way or some big way how we ought to order our lives together. And certainly during a crisis um, when we need to prioritize resources that are becoming scarcer and scarcer focus on the public health, focus on the common good, Uh, these pieces of legislation are very significant. Uh, So it's really important that people pay attention to what's going on. Uh, We have a strong um, uh, solicitude and care for the well-being of undocumented persons. Are they going to be falling through the cracks as citizens are able to access all kinds of different programs that undocumented people living in our communities aren't able to access? Um, you know, what about farm workers? You can't pick strawberries remotely, for example. Uh, how are our farmers doing? Um, I mentioned farmer lender mediation. Uh, so, how are our poorest families doing? Uh, as those checks, if you don't have a, a che- uh, bank account registered with the IRS, for example, your stimulus check might be uh, a few months in coming. Well, what are you going to do in the meantime? So far, so we've advocated for. Um, an emergency cash grant infusion for our state's poorest families through the Minnesota Family Investment Program um, because uh, some of those workers don't pl- even... Uh, um, are, are they're not even eligible for uh, unemployment insurance, for example. So there's a lot of issues that need to be considered in a crisis and uh, it's really important that Catholics stay engaged uh, right now as they should in any other time.
1: Uh, Jason, what do you think the... the the best way for Catholics to be engaged. You know, I, I, would put myself in this category. I think there might be some uh, Catholics who would, you know, the, you know legislative issues. It, it's just, it's overwhelming for me, or I'm not smart enough to engage in this. And, and it's just kind of like you defer, like that's somebody else's domain. And it's too, it's too complicated for me. What could be some ways that people could overcome that reservation to engage more?
3: I love that question, and it's a a question on a lot of people's minds, because it does seem overwhelming. And that's why uh, we at the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and I know other state Catholic conferences do this, well, they create things like the Catholic Advocacy Network, for example, which is an online uh, system that if you're registered for it, we send you updates and action alerts on key pieces of legislation, uh, and we help you with what to say and when to say it. And I think that's the big barrier to entry for a lot of folks. Um, is they don't know what to say and they don't know when to say it. So we try to make that easy for you. With the click of the mouse, um, you can take a pre-crafted message and personalize it and get it to your legislator about important questions uh, regarding life and human dignity. So that's one way. But I think we need to get our heads out of the fog in terms of the focus on national politics. You know, what's Trump doing? What's Pelosi doing? You know, who, what's the big, what's the presidential, what's going on in the presidential election? Politics is really that community conversation about how we order our lives together. And so what uh, what aspects of our community do we know best, the ones right around us? And so people are focused so much on what's going on nationally because of big national questions like abortion or immigration or national security. But the day-to-day work of politics is uh, the community coming together and, and answering that question, how we order our lives together. But most people, when I speak to them, they can't even tell me, the names of their state House member or their state senator. So if we don't know who's making the laws and we're not in relationship with them, how can we expect that the laws that are made are going to be good ones? So I think it starts with refocusing our attention to the uh, things that are going on in our local community that have a more significant day-to-day impact on our lives than some of the big national conversations that go go on and which we get really emotional and animated about.
2: How have things shifted um, in in this in these recent months? Has it been a profound shift, or is it sort of trying to plot along business as usual with a few adjustments? What, what are you experiencing there in terms of what you do?
3: You mean from the standpoint of the COVID-19 crisis? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not business as usual, not only from a logistical standpoint, but also in the focus. I mean, uh, Minnesota has a strong tradition of uh, collaborative, good government, and I think it's been incredible to see our leaders come together in bipartisan ways um, to move things forward. So no legislation passes here unless it has agreement among all four caucuses. And what I mean by that is minority and majority caucuses in both houses of the legislature. That's really, really extraordinary. And so uh, to see that kind of collaboration in a crisis, to put other business and controversial political questions aside, um, is uh, really a, gr- a great thing to see in our leaders and our public officials and so we hope that uh, tradition uh and or that um, mode of cooperation and bipartisanship continues although i think as we get closer to the election that's going to break down a little bit if we uh <laughs> we have to be realistic
1: <laughs> thank you for tuning in to real presence radio live uh i am your host father kyle metzger joined with co-host roxanne Solonen. we are speaking right now with jason adkins he uh He uh, uh, works with the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and so a lot of uh, involvement with legislation in the state of Minnesota. Um, Jason, I'm curious if you kind of um, broaden the question, uh, going back to something you said earlier, voting is inherently a moral act. When you walk into that voting booth, it's a moral act. Um, Could you speak to uh, that reality, and maybe the tendency for some people who who don't want to see that, that position that, you know, putting my religion and my politics in two different categories. And so, you know, I'll worship on Sundays, but I can't vote for this because it affects other people who aren't Catholic. And so there's, there's, a, there's a, 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 a starker division, perhaps, and you may be um, apt to draw.
3: Well, let me, let me put it this way, is that politics is really applied morality um, to social questions. And voting is one aspect of politics, because we live in a representative government where we have to choose our leaders. And so I want to first point out that politics happens also on the other 364 days of the year. It's not just what happens when you walk into a voting booth. In in fact, voting is only one small aspect of that whole question. And So we, as faithful citizens, what the Church calls us to be, um, we need to be engaged also politically. On the other 364 days, and again, like you mentioned, Father, it's not just delegating that to someone else, people who like politics or think it's a hobby. If we don't like politics and we think it's a power game uh, between the strongest and a factional fight and a messy, dirty business, well, we have to ask ourselves if we've abandoned it to the field, abandoned the field and let it become that way. Politics is only going to be as good and collaborative and focused on the common good as opposed to private special interests to the extent that people... virtue are engaged in the process. I can tell you that most legislators are there for all the right reasons and want to do the right thing, but they need our help in understanding what that is. And if we're not communicating with them, then how are they going to know what that is? And so uh, let me just say that uh, first. But then on the voting question, yeah, we have to form our consciences and make right decisions um, as uh, we enter the voting booth. And I think this COVID-19 crisis really clarifies you know, what the issues are, Um, and the importance of solidarity. I mean, there's so much discussion in politics of issues that, you know, really don't matter at the end of the day. You know, for months and years, in fact, the question of whether or not we were going to legalize alcohol sales on Sunday consumed so much oxygen at our legislature, and it's really a nothing-burger question. Meanwhile, significant moral questions were being uh, deliberated upon, and there was barely no media attention given to those. And so, I think that um, this this crisis and the importance of solidarity, um, slogans like my body, my choice, I mean, those are sort of out the window right now, right? Because we know that what we choose to do with our bodies uh, in this COVID-19 crisis has significant impacts on others. So, so that sort of old sloganeering is really going to have to go by the wayside, and, and folks are going to have to vote with a strong sense of, of solidarity the dignity of the human person. Every time we enter a crisis like this, the importance of Catholic social teaching and the truth of Catholic social teaching becomes clear. So it's important as we enter the voting booth, we form our conscience and identify those candidates who really reflect that strong sense of solidarity, especially with the unborn, the poor, and the vulnerable, in the difficult challenges we face as a community and as a nation.
2: Wow. And what, a, what an interesting job you have, and in, in such a fire, too. I appreciate it so much. Do you have a question, Father? Um, uh,
1: it's an election year, Jason. How does, how does that affect what you do? How does that affect um, our political lives this year?
3: Well, we, again, it's, uh, we get the leaders we deserve, <laughs> and we also, <laughs> under, we also understand that um, uh, our elected officials, in many ways, are a reflection of the culture. And so um, they're just like us. And it's important that we get to know them, that we form real relationships, and, and take into account character as well. Um, you know, we sometimes we just say we're willing to go R's or D's, and what I mean by that is Republican or Democrat, and judge people on the standpoint of the, their party affiliation. And that can be a good proxy on a number of issues, but at the same time, we really need to uh, meet these folks who we're voting for and getting to know, especially, again, at the local level. Our local officials, they want to meet you. They want to earn your vote. They want to know what's on your mind. And so I think as as hopefully social distancing uh, eases and these lockdowns ease um, and people are out on uh, parades or different things this summer or door knocking, that we take the time to get to meet those folks and not only just look at whether there's an R or a D next to them, but we judge them on the content of their character and the way in which they make themselves available to the community. and they And they are people of good character and good virtue as well.
1: Uh, Totally different uh, question, Jason. Uh, Let's say we've got some young uh, college students out there listening, uh, wondering about a career in politics. They're very faithful, pious, devout uh, Catholic young people. And they're wondering if, if there's a place for them in the political environment. What would you say to those young people?
3: I would say absolutely. As Pope Francis says, politics is one of the highest forms of charity because it serves the common good. And the way in which we have good Catholics in schools and hospitals and social service ministry, we need good people in the public policy field. And whether that's becoming an expert on a specific issue of public policy and advising legislators, whether it's working in the legislature in some capacity, and there are a lot more people there than just legislators. There are the important staff that make things run on a day-to-day basis. There are people who work in the revisor's office who help codify the laws. There are all sorts of things and uh, ways to serve our broader community in the political arena. And uh, it's oftentimes uh, a lot of work and comes with a significant sacrifice, especially if you're an elected official away from your family so much, having the campaign, et cetera, et cetera. But again, if we don't show up and politics is really, at the end of the day, about showing up in most cases. Um, if, if Catholics aren't going to enter the field and get engaged, then someone else will. And I don't think necessarily in every case we're going to like the uh, legislative outcome uh, when that happens.
2: Jason, what are some things that you want our listeners to hear right now? Maybe maybe something that you're learning, an insight, something that can help us in this process. What Something maybe that we haven't asked you about yet.
3: Well, I've mentioned the importance of relationship um, that, that really makes a difference, and not assuming that some because someone has an R or a D next to their name that they think a certain way about an issue that they can't be persuaded. You have to presume goodwill. Um, a lot of people approach the political process as though it's their job to just simply demand things of elected officials all the time. If the only contact you have with your legislator is demanding things from them, it's not going to be a productive relationship because no one likes it. Parents don't like that. Uh, employers don't like that. (laughs) No one likes that, right? So it's really the importance of forming authentic relationships with folks, and that doesn't mean you got to hang out with your elected officials, but there's no reason why Catholics shouldn't be uh, taking a group of 10 parishioners and inviting uh, your legislator to McDonald's on a Saturday morning for a discussion. They are able and willing to do that. They're incredibly accessible, and uh, they want to hear your perspective. And again, it's important that Catholics bring Um, a strong sense of Catholic social teaching and those principles to our conversations, because you'd be amazed at what happens when, for example, you approach a Democrat on life issues, um, but you've also, after you've already been talking to a Democrat on um, poverty issues, immigration issues, et cetera, et cetera, the Catholic Church has a credible witness that's not uh, tainted by partisanship in the way that some other groups how they approach these issues are. And so they, a legislator might not always agree with uh, the Catholic perspective on things, but they know and uh, that it's from the standpoint of principle and not partisanship, and that really makes a big difference.
1: Jason, uh, with the Minnesota Catholic Conference, you this is uh, this has been fascinating and very helpful. You know, politics is very prominent right now. News reports you see the governors on all the uh, all the news programs now. So uh, I think politics has come uh, maybe even more present. Uh, it is an election year, but you see less of kind of the. The heated exchanges, and now you're seeing, you know, the the political leaders, you know, really making decisions that really are affecting our daily lives in a very profound way. We've got about uh, thirty seconds here. Any last uh, things for the listeners that they should know?
3: Well, I think that the, the big issue going forward is going to be the uh, in Minnesota here the extent to which the governor extends his emergency powers, the stay at home orders. Um, already, you're seeing some of that consensus around that breakdown and as people have differing views about the right way out of this challenge will be. And I think that's going to be the big flashpoint in terms of how collaborative the legislature and the governor will be going forward. The legislature of both houses vote. They can end his emergency powers, which gives him incredible authority, including these lockdown orders. And so that's going to be the big flashpoint going forward over the next couple weeks is diverging strategies, especially among Republicans and Democrats, about the right way out of this crisis and what we should continue to do uh, to mitigate the spread of COVID-19.
1: Those are complicated questions. And Jason, we are so privileged that we have somebody like you at the Minnesota Catholic Conference to help us navigate those complicated questions. So thank you for being with us, Jason, here on Real Presence Radio Live. Roxanne, it's been a joy to be with you.
2: It has been, and I hope that everyone out there has a wonderful celebratory weekend in this yeah. Easter season.
1: And I hope on next time we host this, Roxanne, we don't have to sit so far apart. You that know? would be nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> give you
2: a hug, too, even. <laughs> well,
1: I'll, I want to quickly throw it over to Eli. Eli, what do we have coming up next? Alrighty, thanks, Father. Here's what's coming up on our next show. You know, that's going to be Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father Tim Buren and Matt Welcome will be your hosts coming to you from St. Charles Church in St. Charles, Minnesota. We'll start off with a special daily Mass with Father Tim. Then, Bishop John Folder of the Diocese of Fargo will join us to talk about the special indulgences for those suffering from COVID-19. And we'll visit with an editor from Ignatius Press about new books that your children will love. And Dr. Susan Windley-Doust of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, talking about Operation Adopt-A-Street, being a disciple in your own neighborhood. All that and a whole lot more is coming up Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on The Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. We've got a couple of days. You're going to watch uh, a live stream mass this weekend, Roxanne?
2: I have been doing that. uh, Yeah, I've been doing a a morning mass and a night check-in and evening prayer with a priest in Baton Rouge. So I'm kind of like straying away from our diocese, but then I come back and come here to to mass. Does
1: does he have an accent?
2: (laughs) No, no, he doesn't. I don't know where he's from originally, but it's Father Chris Decker. i Ran across them on Twitter, so it's it's been awesome
1: i don't do any uh, streaming masses, but uh, if I do, I, I would probably throw on a really thick North Dakota accent. The Lord be with you <laughs> there we go you know I, I want people to get the full experience of North Dakota. Huh? just
2: just get those cliches in there and, yeah. <laughs> oh. well you're blessed to be able to do mass uh, have mass every day so we're we're envious, but we're glad that you have the graces that we need to through you. So pray for our priests more than ever. I can't imagine what you're all going through. So.
1: Thank you. And you know we uh we are praying for you, you know, at those masses we uh we are praying for the church. Uh we are praying for all of the prisoners. We we realize we are in quite a privileged position as priests where we can continue to have access to the to the Eucharist to to celebrate the mass and we realize Um, so many of the faithful that are deprived of that and, and, and you hear, you know, when you might, might see them praying in the church and they'll approach you, they, they talk about the fervor that is actually being fostered because of the deprivation of it. So like we said earlier, the Lord is doing something here, uh, um. And uh, I, I can't wait, Roxanne, for mm-hmm. that first Sunday Mass when yes. we're back. I told the organist at the parish I said, "You prepare something with the grandest fanfare." There we go. <laughs> that's going to be go. the first thing, and people yeah. are just going to take a deep breath. We're back.
2: I think there is going to be some tears of joy. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that day. We all are. Hopefully, it's still here in the Easter season, so we can have a lot of Alleluias. Have a grand.
2: There we go, Gloria.
1: All of that, all of that. Well, Roxanne, again, as I said, it's been a delightful being with you here uh, on Real Presence Radio Live. Um, you have a wonderful weekend.
2: You as well, and I look forward to being with you on again. And to all of you have a wonderful weekend.
1: God bless.
0: This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network.